Welcome to Kufaro Cast. I'm your guest, Dan Staten of Elk Shape. What's up, everyone? Uh, this is Aaron Snyder. I've got Frank across from me. Dan's crew is here. I guess they didn't want to get on the podcast because they don't have their headphones on, but say hi. Oh, are you going to be on, What's Jeff? up, guys? Oh, looks looks like Jeff's going to be on. <laughs> he automatically volunteered. Um, <laughs> these guys came over uh, here to do a... Uh, uh, an elk shape. Uh, what do you? What do you? you ever? Everybody refers to it as elk shape camp. Is that pretty much the, yeah. the the what you guys call it? Yeah. And then you guys had yeah Joel Turner for for coaching. You guys for fitness. Iron Will Bill came down for uh, probably geeking out right for know. nerd stuff. Yeah, nerd stuff. Um, and then uh, did anybody do the elk calling or was that Joel? Oh, we had Dirk Durham okay. the bugler. Gotcha. So kind of go over what you guys do in those camps. I get a lot of people that ask me, and I. I've been a part of one, but I've never been through, uh, you know, a whole camp. So kind of go over what guys, can, people can expect, guys and gals. Mm, yeah, it's evolved, but in theory, we have a template, but I would say the camp's pretty fluid. You know, like I'll give you an example. We had 31 guys at this camp from mostly Colorado, and I would say 75% of them were virgins. They had never killed anything with a bow. And I was like, wow, okay, well we probably better stick to the fundamentals. You know, we're in some camps like in Pennsylvania, the two weeks ago. Those guys were legit. Yeah. guys there and they were all super intense. Some guys had killed several bulls with bows, but they were there to just get that one extra nugget. So come to camp and find your weakness. And if you don't, we will find your weakness or weaknesses and we'll kind of show you how to blueprint your your off season. So what you can do to prepare. Because, you know, elk hunting is kind of cool. Like, you could just show up and kill an elk every year. You're going to suffer, pay a price, and maybe not enjoy it. Or you can work your ass off year-round and have a great, enjoyable experience and possibly consist- consistent success like you have, and people want that. Yeah. I'd say probably the key to success with all the three, not speaking for you two at all because I, I don't I don't know your hunting background that much, but, you know, for the three of us, I would say part of it um, is uh, just just not stopping. Right. That's a, a big key. And, you know, Frank, and I bring this up a lot of times, Frank, probably the, the, the most, when I say untrained, uh, Frank, no military experience, uh, mentally tough person uh, out of the gate that I've met. Right. And, and like you can he just goes, doesn't doesn't ever stop. Well, there's a lot to be said for that. If you're the guy that's talking yourself off the mountain and compared to the guy talking yourself to going in farther or staying in or uh, maybe there's a stock that might not be doable but you're going to give it a whirl anyway even though it may move or ton of different scenarios some people just talk themselves out of success before they're you know they're not even out of the starting block and they've talked them out of success you guys try to get people to focus on not giving up staying physically fit all those i mean you guys are hitting more than just fitness though i guess is what I'm getting we at. hardly do fitness um the very first camp I ever did was pretty much an actual fitness camp, uh, nutrition and training and some shooting. But I would say now we spend about two hours on fitness and nutrition out of a two and a half day span. Um, but I have to pump the brakes because I'm, I told Aaron, I'm going to get Frank to talk. So <laughs> wait a second. I've heard Aaron on this podcast tell everybody so many times you're so tough between the ears. Um, <laughs> In my opinion, you probably weren't born mentally tough. What are you doing, Frank, the tank, in the offseason? What are you doing year-round to put yourself – like, where are you getting reps at being uncomfortable? Man, I, I mean, I think we – I guess I don't talk a lot, but um, 
I'm just in the mindset of there's, it doesn't take a special person to be mentally tough. You just gotta, you just have to do it. And I think a lot of, especially for hunting, a lot of people only get to go out one or two weeks a year. And, uh, I mean, for us, at least we, I mean, we're pretty lucky. We get to go on a lot of hunts, but I've always looked at it. Like I can either stick this hunt out or stick this trip out, or I could be at home sitting on the couch wishing I was back out there. So, um, I don't think it, it takes a, a special person per se to be mentally tough other than, um, just being in that situation. I think with almost anything you can just being present is, is the majority of the battle there. So just trying to stick it out. I mean, it's, I don't think I'm any, any special or any different than anybody else. So just, I'm not going to quit basically. Mm. That's kind of my, my mentality. Talk about a little bit about, uh, Frank chooses to be alone. Um, I mean, he lets me go back. That's his spot for deer. He lets me go with him. Um, but when I say that we're still two or three miles apart, I guess, or away is quite a bit of distance apart. <clears throat> Frank, go into when you started this. So Frank's been doing solo backpack hunts for a long time. So how, when were you, when was your first one and how did that go? Well, I mean, I've been hunting since I was a, a young kid and my dad would always send me off, like go hunt this ridge or go hunt this bowl or basin or whatever. And he would send, I mean, stuff that people probably may or may not still do, but, um, you know, we'd have like a little walkie talkie radio and he'd check in on me every once in a while, but I've been doing it since I was a kid. But basically the, the solo stuff started happening cause none of my friends, like once I got into archery, none of my friends wanted to go. So I didn't have a choice. It either it was either go by myself or um, or don't go at all. So um, I do a lot of scouting trips by myself, um, you know, two, three, four days, and then it just progressed into the the long stuff. And I think like my longest backpacking solo trip was for hunting was probably like twelve days or so. Um, Four, 14, I think. 12, 14 days. I don't know if I can lose track. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't. It, I don't think it takes anything uh, special or it's a special characteristic other than. Um, just refusing to, to quit. Uh, if, if you set a goal and, you know, you'll do anything to, to accomplish it, then I think that's kind of where it starts for me. Yeah. I mean, I think just getting reps in. So, uh, we always talk about it and I think, uh, like we had a guy on last week, Justin Walski, that guy you met from out East, uh, that was hunting where Aaron was hunting. He'd never done it before, but he kind of had that goal in mind of, of wanting to accomplish it. But one thing we talk about a lot, which I think it helps me is, uh, we take a lot of trips during the summer, just just backpacking so you kind of get all your gear dialed in get your your mind right and then you go into the hunting season knowing what to expect basically and, and justin let's touch on that that's a good example so he's big um we were without giving too much did he go to my camp in tennessee yeah he might have yeah yeah he did i know yeah. this guy okay so i uh when i first Listen to the podcast for the full story, but well, I went and I hunted with Frank for what, five days? Four. Mm-hmm. Four or five. Came back to my gear I'd left for him. I left some stuff. And uh, I, when I got back, I said, hey, the first thing I said is, man, I, I need to shake your hand. I said, a dude of your size to get here is something. And and, and it, it, we talked about that on the podcast. It, it says a lot about my, my personality. I did call him a fat fuck. You know, I, I did. I told him, I said, you need to get your fucking fat ass in shape. I said, think of what you could do. If you made it here at your size, think about what you could do if you dropped 50 pounds. I'm like, you'd be a fucking monster. And it's just, I, I, I let him use my tripod, gave him my food and I got him on stocks. I did everything I could, but I'm not going to give you a participation trophy, so to speak. I'm not going to cut you slack, but I, I mean, we're friends. You know, he took it the way he should have. I'm like, dude, 
you could do anything you wanted if you drop 50 pounds. I'm like, the fact you made it here with a 70-pound pack is quite honestly one of the craziest things I've seen as far as pushing the human mind. Like, he should not have made it to where we were. I, I, I mean, I don't think, do you? I mean... For a guy coming out of out of state, that's a it's a bit of a hike. I mean, it's not crazy. It's not the hardest area that we've hunted, but it it takes some effort for sure. Yeah, especially he if was you're backpacked in there, right? Yeah. yeah. So you strap a fifty pound weight vest onto me, and then you strap a a hoodlum with all my gear. I don't know if I would enjoy getting <laughs> in there, to be honest. Well, he we were probably seven miles in where he was, and he had seventy four pound pack weight. And Jesus, he, and it you start it lower elevation and finish up at 12.8 is about our tent, um, give or take, I think, 12.3, yeah. 12.5. I don't know. Right around 12.5. Well, we take a shortcut off the trail, which is pretty nasty, but if you stay on the trail, yeah, it's probably about seven miles back. It's yeah. it's a bit of a hike for sure. But, he, you know, he made it. We got him on some – well, um, Frank had, had went out um, and packed his deer out. I stayed, uh, came back, found Justin, and, and uh, like I said, I, I said, man, I need to shake your hand. I said that – you should be proud of yourself. That's not many people would have mentally stuck it out. And uh, he uh, he got some stocks in. He missed a couple times, and it was good for him. And, and we did a podcast recently uh, about this. was kind of a lesson learned podcast. Um, super cool dude. He didn't listen to shit I had to say before he went. Um, he had way too much gear, way too much crap. And part of that's what Frank talked about, being confident in what you've got with you and, and what you're able to do that, um, I'd say one of the things, you know, and, and I've gotten flack for saying this about we're bragging. It's not a bragging thing. It's, it's just how it is. If you get to a spot where you're comfortable enough with your fitness and your, uh, woodsmanship, there's nothing you're scared to go after or go, go do. And I would say that probably helps Frank Eli a lot. Um, whether we're together or not, the, the ability to outlast someone goes a long way. Um, some guys might give up on day three, four, five, where we're still fresh on day, you know, not maybe not fresh smelling, but we're still ready to roll at day 10. And, and that, that's good because the pressures went away and animals might go back to their standard behavior maybe a little bit or might start popping out a little bit more because the hunting pressure is going down because guys are dropping off. If you can, if you can go the distance... That's more of a mental thing than physical, in my opinion. Most guys can't. Well, that show alone, I was talking to Amy about it. And I'm like, when's the last time you went 12 hours without talking to anyone? I said, it's not what they have to do. They got enough gear to survive. They mentally go crazy because... You lose your mind. Yeah. Now, the mind is primary, and I think we try to do a good job at camps at least letting folks know, like, look, you're not Aaron and Frank. You don't even live at 5,000 feet like they do in Denver. Let alone, you don't spend a lot of time above tree line. Uh, you're limited on reps. You know, time and energy is your commodity, and time is finite for these guys that are travel from Pennsylvania, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas to come out here in elk hunt or whatever. And so we're just trying to get them to to recognize that you know, elk hunting is finite. You only have so many seasons, and you know your 14 day hunt that you have planned with your buddy. You guys have a day and a half travel on both ends plus you guys probably don't know what you're going to do and you're going to have to move around a little bit so really you have four days each of being shooter so your 14 day hunt is a four day hunt for you and a four day hunt for your buddy and that's what if one of you guys wounds one or gets one and that's all you know so just kind of getting them a perspective on how finite september can be and and really you don't know what you don't know i think the funniest thing at the latest camp was a lot of guys were 
really, it almost like they weren't listening to me when I was telling them that I don't really backcountry hunt anymore for elk. I don't overcommit. Elk hunting is the coolest thing ever right now. It's the hottest stock. And there's, you go, you, you go deep and you'll run into more people. And I'm telling them like, I literally telling them to be mobile and to look for obscure places to access elk. And a guy raises his hand and he's like, well, I just read, um, Cameron Haynes's backcountry book. And what did he say, Jeff? He asked, he asked, um, I'm trying to remember how he worded that, but he, he says, your style is different from Cam Haynes. And, and he was basically asking whose style is better. And, uh, it, it was, it, I liked your response. Well, we had a panel, we had everybody helping yeah. in a panel to answer this one yeah. question. Like when I would, when I was there, we did exactly the like that. Yep. Yep. And, uh, Dirk was probably the most fired up. I'd seen him in a while, but I think Iron Will Bill, uh, we even had a guy named Bob Terwilliger, who's 65 years young, bad-ass Colorado guide. Everybody helped me answer that question. Just let them know, hey, man, like, ultimately, you want to be into elk every day, especially if you're green. You know what I mean? Like, you can't afford to go 10 miles deep and maybe run into one herd and then just hunt that herd over and over. They're going to run elk move zip codes, and your guys' willingness is here. Ain't that big, in my opinion. No, they're not, which I get asked that same question all the time is um, backpack hunting doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful elk hunting. No. And people have to be realistic, and I'm not. this is not a shot at, at Cameron. He's, he's not backpack hunting now, and I think people get the two confused. They put the book together with what he's doing now. Well, um, he could do it anyway. He's a killer. He oh, could, yeah. Yeah, but now, no. Yeah, and, and I'm not, again, this is not a, if, if I could go hunt the San Carlos, I would. Um, but, again, I, I have to do uh, uh, several backpack hunts a year at this point in time in my life because I just like doing them. But I also like killing a lot of shit, and so I go down to Texas and Oklahoma, too. Well, they I think they get the idea that what Cameron was doing, kind of hacking it out on the DIY stuff, is the same success he's having now. They're, they're lumping them all together. Cam was very successful when he did backpack hunt. He's just shooting bigger elk now because there's not a lot of public land giants running around to to kill, right? They're, you're probably not going to shoot too many 380 bulls on public land. They're there if you look hard enough. Draw tag is more realistic. When they lump those things together and they say, you know, Cam goes seven miles in, you know, and you, you talked about, I talk about that window of a mile and a half in mm-hmm. um, where the – the day hunters push them too, and, and dipshits like Frank and I push them back, you know, and they hang out in that, that pocket. Um, I'm like, hey, what Cameron's doing now is, isn't is backpack hunting. He's very successful. I don't have any issue with it. But but don't think six miles in is going to get you into elk because a lot of times you may you may walk by elk. You, you might mm-hmm. walk by really good spots. Not only that, um, if you're physically able to be mobile on a backpack hunt, it's a lot different than meaning – Frank and I can run and gun in the back there. We can go wherever we want. Doesn't, doesn't bother us. Physically, you need to be able to do that. And if you've never done it before, that's a big gamble to say twelve miles in, or twelve day backpack hunt. A lot of people come up with that ten to twelve day thing, and they're going to go in for elk and they're going to go in five miles. They don't even know if they're physically able to get five miles in or maintain some semblance of mobility while they're there. When you're hunting by the truck, you, you know you got mobility. You just hike in and out and move the truck and, you know, not necessarily maybe move your base camp, but instead of driving 20 minutes the next day, you're driving 45 to another spot to hike in. People have to be realistic, have realistic expectations. And if you've never done it, you 
probably have no idea what to set your expectations at. You got to do it a few times to get an idea. And that guy may have this grand uh, plan of 10 miles in. I bet once he does it, he probably won't have that plan again. That, that plan will probably change. Um, I used to do for mule deer, we do long trips, but for elk, I used to do 10 to 12 days. I don't do that anymore. It doesn't make sense. You, you've blown them out, killed one, fucked it up, whatever. Yeah. Three to five, a little more feasible. Like I'll go in for three to five. I may hike out and hike back in to another area. I like to be mobile um, for three to five days. By that time, I've either killed one or blown one out. I hike out and I hike another camp, kind of like you do, I'm and, and it may be exactly like you do. Yeah. It's just after three to five days, you've done something good or bad that has made the elk go away, and you need to move. Uh, usually I'm not telling these guys what to do. I'm just letting them know if you're, you like the idea of a Cabela's cover elk camp with the wall tent and the T-bone steaks and the beer on ice. And like, that's cool. Maybe that's what you want to experience, but these guys are wanting success. I'm like, have the shittiest camp possible that yeah. you takes two seconds to break down, hop in your truck or sleep in the back of your truck onto the next one. And just you're green, just get into elk every day and that means moving around in my opinion what was dirk what was he um uh fired up over that was he just because the question was because dirk's not a backpack hunter you know dirk said i had killed oh dirk don't get mad at me but he said he said it so he said he told the kid he's like i have killed almost 20 elk and had them in the back of my truck hole before Cameron never even hit print <laughs> on that book. He's yeah. like, I've been hunting close to roads all my life. Like yeah. you don't have to be a backcountry, you know, guy to get it done. And now, and, and Dirk's very humble, humble guy, very loving guy. And but it, I, I can speak for Dirk on this. It's he is not saying that as a Billy badass, big penis measuring thing. Mm -mm, it's a mm -mm. be realistic to, um, you you know, like don't think that you hike in eight miles, you're going to run into elk. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with hunting by the road. There's nothing wrong with hunting two night bivy camps. There's, I mean, all of it's good. I just think Frank and I like backpack hunting. Yeah. So we backpack hunt. Could I kill elk by the road? Could Frank kill elk by the road? Of course. When I say by the road in and out in a day. Mm -hmm. I'd also say I, I would personally not prefer to kill an elk fucking eight to 10 miles yeah. back, <laughs> even with a buddy or two. It's one thing to get yeah. back there, but to get the dang thing out, oh. that's a whole nother story. We were in 19... I went after a bull, uh, that was day two, wasn't it? Day three. That was when after the one? day after when I hiked back to you from my spot. I hiked to you. We were on that glassing point in a bull and 13 oh, yeah. cows. I said, Frank, keep watching the deer. I'm going to go shoot one of these. And I had that cow below me at 13 yards. And I'm like, I can't kill a cow this far in. I'm like, Frank will <laughs> kill me for one, you know, and the bull, I would have killed the bull. Uh, I don't know how he's a good bull. Yeah. Good bull. Yeah. 300 inches probably. Yeah. Good public land bull. Now with a compound, I would have shot. I just couldn't, I didn't have the distance. He was out there at probably 60 yards and, and I just didn't have the shot, but there was cows feeding under me. And I mean, could you see them? I mean, they were just the cows. Yeah. They were right under me. And I literally locked on my fingers twice and I'm like, keep it in your pants, Snyder. Don't fucking shoot one. Cause mule deer was our main priority. Right. And you know, that would have probably killed three days, I would say, probably getting that thing out, a cow. And now it's a 500-pound lead cow, but I think people don't know what they don't know, and until you've packed an elk out, uh, especially at that distance, it's probably something you'll never, ever do again. Um, I'd say that one with Colton was probably the worst one I'd 
done. I took Frank back there just to make sure, you know how you remember things they might, you might be remembering and falsifying the evidence or the data. Like, Oh yeah. yeah, Well, it it was just about as fucked up as I remembered what it was really steep. No off trail for (laughs) most of it. It was, it was nasty. And we did half an elk each, uh, when we came out and, uh, plus your gear plus gear. Oh yeah. when when you and I came down that that it was deadfall and moss and crap and then you hit a trail and it was another there's a big creek there too you had to jump across oh Christ like dude. a raging creek you had to jump over it was pretty nasty it was not cool but it was probably what was it from the trail four and a half miles or something uh either and, way and then there was a few miles of trail there yeah so I think it was six total with 180 pounds is what it was and uh most people don't believe that, and I get it if you don't believe that. Uh, I wasn't right for a while um, physically. Like, you know, you kneel down to play with your dog. Yeah, I wasn't getting back up for a couple of weeks. My knees were just in bad, bad shape. And, and when do and, you guys plan on getting your hip replacement? I was thinking about that the <laughs> other day. I'm Is good. there like a Groupon for that or something? Yeah, yeah we could what, all get together. What physical ailments do you, are you having, Frank? Let's go now. Around the table. Shoulder. I fucked up my shoulder snowboarding this year. <laughs> Dislocated my uh, collarbone. Yeah, but other than that, I feel pretty good. Dan, you? Um, Micro penis. You're ginger, bro. I don't have to deny it, though. No, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I got probably like a little bit of disc issue between L4, L5 that lights up a little bit. Um, you know, my hips just seem to be tighter and tighter, but that's it. Nothing major. You? Nothing on my legs. Um, I broke a bone in my foot, I guess. Uh just out out dad i mean fuck i basically retired down there this year i i think we had nine months of hunting in and i had three months of guiding in and those are that's packing out animals every day and i think just packing my foot swelled up and i'm like huh i wonder what and i just kept going and taking ibuprofen and i'm like scotty i think i fucking broke a bone in my foot and he said well how do you know and i said well i broke one in my right foot a few years ago feels identical yeah (laughs) i said i'm not gonna go to the doctor yet i said because they didn't do shit anyway but I started riding that mountain bike. Other than that, my shoulder the other day, uh, not from drawing my bow. Um, I think it was from yanking a sheep out. But right here, you said, well, she's coming tomorrow. I'm going to get acu, or what's it called, deep needling? Dry needling, and she does all that stuff, the scraping. and. Uh, oh, scraping will be yeah. enjoyable. I think the my intermedial head is, is I guess it bound up with the, bounds up with the outer head. Because I can do certain things, but if I raise my arm like this, there's just shooting pain in there. It's not um like I can shoot my bow, I can lift, I don't, but it, there's just a little bit of, it feels like a muscle knot basically on my shoulders. So I don't know, we'll see. But just certain movements, like yeah. doing this. The yeah, same thing happened to him. <clears throat> when I Yeah, when I fucked up this shoulder, this one started hurting from overcompensating. I was, <laughs> I was just working out with my left arm. So. Is that what it, it's working out? That's a, okay. Yeah. This motion. <laughs> my forearms got bigger. That's weird. <laughs> Good grip. Yeah, Hell of a handshake. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, nothing on my legs so far. I mean, I'm sure over time it's going to, they're going to wear out, but knock on wood, not, nothing so far. Dude, this last camp we had was, it's just, we just got done. So it's all fresh in my mind, but I, I still can't get over. Like this was the weirdest camp and the guys listening that came to the camp. You're awesome. Like I loved the energy, the vibe, but like, I just had this like preconceived, oh, notion we're coming back to Denver. There's elk hunters here. And there were just majority hadn't really had any success to speak of yet. And, uh, we had a couple of good ideas for him. One, we literally like JT stood up and was like, 
Hey, for all you guys like trying to get a big bull for your or a elk for your first archery kill, you might want to roll down south to Texas and just get some reps on some hogs. You know, even if it's high fence or whatever, like get some reps in the red zone. I thought that was great advice. And then I was trying to explain to them, have some expectations that are clearly defined before the season starts. Like maybe killing an elk your first year isn't a success, um, but maybe having five to seven awesome elk encounters under 100 yards in your week is an amazing amount of success. Like you're learning a ton in a short amount of time and you're getting reps in the backcountry with your field craft. Like so many people take the field craft, um, which I think just takes a lot of reps. You can watch all the YouTubes. You can listen to this podcast here and get some nuggets, but you got to go live it. And so we try to work with them on defining what success looks like for them and, and, uh, and finding the right hunting partner or straight up just hunt solo like I do and just like, success or failure it's it's your fault either way you know what i mean and i like that you hunted solo for for 12 to 14 days because there's some there's some serious soul searching that goes on in the backcountry when you're by yourself if you have skeletons in the closet they might come out in those 12 to 14 days like there's some things that we probably can't even really describe that that are going to make you a better person i've talked about it before because i was a fucking retard as a younger kid um (laughs) And I talked to Rogan about this. He's brought it up. Didn't he bring it up when, what's his name, Green was on, uh, what's the, uh, one of the comedians he had on there. And oh, just, Tom Green. Yeah. Tom Green, he brought up out of the blue and he, I had told uh, Joe both on the podcast and personally, I said the problem with, with solo hunting is any, any demon you have, whatever that demons you, you forgot to pay child support, you had a bad girl, a girlfriend you ditched on a text or it's, it's coming out, it's coming up and May not come up on day one, but on day six, you're going to have a cloudy day. It rained all night. You didn't sleep that well. Sleep deprivation's kicked in. You're sad because it's cloudy, right? No vitamin D or whatever. And the demons come out. And when those demons come out, those demons can drive you off the mountain. And so making Hobo Jordo talked about that. Uh, Jordan, the guy that won alone. If you get yourself right and and get things fixed up back in the world and you have no regrets, I'm going to say regrets, but you've patched up any wrongs you've done. Um, you're going to be a better backpack hunter because like I said, the demons used to come out a lot more with me. I mean, let's face it. I've been married three times. I've got a kid. Um, I've moved from place to place all over the world just because I wanted to see adventure. Uh, there's a lot of women I've left hanging, a lot of other dumb things I've done. And so now I don't really ever have those issues. Like I'm gone. Well, I leave Frank hanging all the time. Um, I'm gone a lot. And, and, and I'm away from my wife and I've got, I've got a good wife and I've got no issues and I don't, uh, the demons don't come out like they used to, but I've spent the last eight, 10 years trying to, I'll give you a prime example. I got that mountain bike recently, uh, mountain bike shop. I used to race for back in Washington. I had a mountain bike and I remember I had to leave, uh, the, anyway, I didn't pay for the bike and totally forgot, you know, it's just part of life and that. I remembered I owed the guy money. I paid him back 13 years later. I called him and I said, hey, dude, I, <laughs> I don't even know if you remember me. And he, he said, no, I do. And I said, I think I owe you money. And I had a, I don't know if you remember the Cannondale Profits, a single tube. I had a Cannondale Profit as one of my race bikes. I said, dude, I, I don't think I paid you for that bike. And he said, man, I have faith. I have some faith in humanity. I cannot <laughs> believe you called. And I'm like, oh dude, my gosh. I literally you remember the first bike David built me a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He built me that and it made me, I hadn't raced in a long time, hadn't ridden. And I was like, dude, I, what's your PayPal? And I said, just tell me what, what it was and I'll pay you right now. And he's like, dude, you don't have to pay as a tax write-off. I said, man, I, mentally, I, 
I, I need to pay. do this. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. said, this is, I should never have done it. And that was when I went through my divorce with my ex with my daughter. Um, right. And so bad, bad divorce. And I said, I'm not making excuses, man. But I, I, I literally just remembered like out of the blue, like, I don't think I paid you for that. And that popped up in my mind off and on for years on backpack hunts. Like I got to pay that guy when I get back. Never did, never did, never did. I know that's probably sounds stupid, but no, it does not. <laughs> 13 years later, I paid for my Cannondale profit. Um, and he, it was just a cool, I think I was at cost I th- at that time. That was an expensive bike. I think I owed him 1800 bucks for the bike. It was probably a $4,000 bike at the time. Um, and, but that guy was always good to me um, on the race team and, and everything else, and it was always something that grinded on me. And so other things, too, I don't know, Frank, if you've done nearly as much stupid shit as I have, but um, <laughs> girlfriends that, that maybe I should have stuck with or got rid of or, or left at the drop of a hat, I tried to patch up all of those um, over the course of time because for years, I mean, I was like Frank at one time where now I could give a shit if I'm solo or together. I'll just do what makes most applicable sense to be successful. I solo hunted for many years mm-hmm. and I just preferred it. Um, but I can say like day seven, eight, and nine, I remember running into a hiker thinking, thank God I have someone to talk to. <laughs> um, I Do you get like that, Frank? Because there's just not that many people that do plus seven days. Frank's hunts. a unicorn, man. Yeah. I think uh, after probably around day six, you start having these in- <laughs> internal conflicts. <laughs> you have like these conversations with yourself, like I should have done this or I should have done that. And you're like weighing out both options as far as what you're doing. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Just have these internal conversations, I guess. You do. But I'd say like guys listening, I'm big on this at camps. Like you cannot hunt your best if you haven't tipped the scales with your other half. So my wife, she's a saint. There's no like there's no denying we have some rough roads and it always boils down to how long I hunt. I hunt I've hunted a lot in my life and she met me and I hunted a lot before I met her, while I met her and um I just try to let guys know like it it's uh it's something that you have to be intentional about. You have to tip the scales. And so there's a lot of things that I do personally that I try to tell the guys at camp about like I I try to shut everything down. I don't scout anymore like I used to. I'd spend time with the family. I don't shed hunt anymore at all. I save that time for elk. That's participation trophy shit anyway. I knew you'd say that. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm trying to get my these guys fired up about like you have like like one guy at camp advertises his goal. He's going to do the dishes for the next 90 days. He's never done the dishes for his wife, but he's just not going to say it. He's just going to do it. But like take action, man. Like I arrange the nannies for while I'm gone. Like I do all the things my wife Alicia wants to do year round so that I can tip those scales. And it's, it is a self, I'm doing it selfishly so I can hunt my best knowing that I got a happy home, happy wife, happy life. Let's talk about that in a little bit more depth. Were you going to, I didn't want to. No, I was going to say it's probably my favorite part of camp is, you know, we teach guys how to take their passion uh, for elk hunting to develop the disciplines to have their shit dialed at home. And a lot of times, like we all want to be better men, husbands, fathers, all that type of stuff. But if it's just up to that alone, sometimes that we don't have enough self-discipline to do it. But you attach that to your, your desire to be a badass and kill elk, and it's, it gets a whole lot easier. Yeah, the one thing I'd say diving in a little bit uh, deeper, obviously it took me a little bit um, to get a handle on this since I have screwed up several relationships, pretty much all from hunting to, or being in the field or whatever. Um if you are wanting to try to make it in the outdoor industry, whatever that means, like in my case, I just wanted to live in the woods and the industry shit came as an ancillary part of it. Um, 
you may not want to get married, people. I just, I'm, I'm just saying, if she's the wrong one, you may not want to. When I say the wrong one, if your goal is to do something to to do with hunting a lot, and she's not real down with that goal initially, you may want to take a good long hard look. Is she worth it to potentially jeopardize your life's dream? And it could be the other way around. I'm talking to females as well. Is your husband needy? Is your wife needy? If they're needy, probably not going to work out in the long run because if they need to be by you all the time, how, unless you've got, your your wife is extremely tough, Amy's tough, but what kind of sales pitch is that? Hey, honey, you want to go on a 10-day backpack hunt with me? <laughs> uh, suffer, you're not going to be able to shower, you're going to smell like shit, you're not going to eat that much. Yeah, and oh, by the way, um, if we kill something, we got to pack 100 pounds out. Like, not much of a honeymoon, you know? So you want to make sure and you marry the right person or don't get married at all. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail about this and somebody's going to say, my wife's perfect. Well, then I'm not fucking talking to you. I'm talking to people <laughs> that don't have that. And early on in life, if you have a a needy uh, significant other, when I say needy, they have to be with you all of the time, more than most likely, unless they hunt, your hunting career is going to take a turn to the south because you're going to end up getting divorced anyway. You need to be transparent. And it's okay. <laughs> still, to this day, I'm almost 40. I'm not stoked about writing on the calendar that I'm going to be hunting here, here, <laughs> here, 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 and maybe here if I'm lucky, draw that tag. But it's already on the calendar, and I already see your eyes roll. But, dude, she knows, and it's out in front. I used to kind of hide it and then just kind of slowly like, oh, hey, by the way, going to be gone all of September. I'll see you October 1st. Yeah. But, no, you got to just have these transparent conversations like, Here's the cool thing, Aaron, though. My wife and most other guys or spouses should know they're going to get a better version of us when we come out the other side. Like, that's where we're, that's our therapy. That's our clarity. And, Aaron, like, you've done some things. You've got a military background, stuff we don't need to talk about. But you're a better Aaron when you come out of a hunt. Yeah, but I, I don't know that we should base any of this shit off of, of, of me because I get to hunt more than any person i've really ever met at this point frank um, you're a better person <laughs> when you come out <laughs> yeah. of a long hunt like you've had some time to have some reflection um some time to face some whatever some demons but i mean i know for myself just for myself speaking uh, there's a better dan coming home after september yeah it's, it's a good reset i think uh this time of year usually we go to we've been going to um to canada for bear hunting and we've talked about it before there's no cell service up there you get away from everything reset yourself from social media um, and just normal civilization. You come back happier. So that was always kind of my, that hunt. I really didn't need to shoot another black bear. It was kind of my reset hunt because there was one spot we could get Wi-Fi every now and then if we wanted to go check it, but you're truly pretty much dark. I slept better. You know, the whole, the, the normal things happened when you leave technology behind. But the, the, the biggest thing is, is if, if you're looking at, you're going to want to, um, hunt um a, a, an obsessive amount let's say three months is pretty uh, you can hunt pretty consistent for three months straight so you're going to start august 15th um and you're going to go into november for whitetail the transparency is going to be a big one before and i'm i'm telling people this from a lot of fucking experience listen to what i'm telling you tell your wife or girlfriend immediately before she becomes your wife this is how much <laughs> i hunt I want to hunt this way the rest of my life. I need you to be okay with that. And what are we going to need to do to, to make you okay with that? Do, you, do, you, do I need to carry a, a sat phone? Do you want to hear from me every day? Those are all things you can work around. 
If she gets resting bitch face, the moment you start talking about that, you may not want to fucking marry that one if you want to hunt that much because it's not going to work out in the long run. Now, if she's like Amy, she loves, she's totally, she's independent. She doesn't mind me being gone. Um, I spoil her when I'm back, uh, but that doesn't happen very often. I would say, I don't know, one out of every 10 relationships, that would probably work. Um, and, and I may be off base there, but this goes for men and women. There's, you know, women out there that hunt as well. If your husband is or a boyfriend is extremely jealous and you're going into a hunting, which is more of a man's world, and he's going to be constantly paranoid if you're hooking up with some dude while you're, I mean, the craziest shit happens. Your mind wanders when you're out in the woods. You, you need to take all those things into consideration. This is way off of, of uh, uh, I, I guess, what I thought we were going to talk about here. But <laughs> coming from having all these things, going through all of this, my first wife, I never thought we would ever. I loved her more than I've ever uh, loved anything at the time I hunted too much. We got divorced. So, and, and that we had a good relationship. It, the ending wasn't bad. Like no one cheated on anyone. There was no, she was racking up. She was a very good wife. She's a great ex-wife and a great mom to Kaylee. I couldn't stop hunting. And that was a problem. And, uh, you know, and she knew I hunted when we met, but she thought I would probably grow up and be more of an adult later in life. And, well, I that's didn't. the thing, gentlemen, and this is uh, funny talking about unsolicited marital advice on Cast. but quite <laughs> honestly, it, this stuff matters, Is and I didn't follow my own advice, but you young bucks out there, why don't you put your potential like fiancé or, or future wife through two, two seasons? Because the first one, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's fine, that's cool, and then the second season, they're going to be like, wait a second, you're doing this again? And they may try to, like, change you or whatever, and that's where you got to figure out, like, are you willing to change you for them? Or maybe you're like Aaron and maybe a little bit of Dan where, like, nah, this is who I am. Like, uh, and if this is a deal breaker, it needs to be a deal breaker. But I think the difference is you guys aren't, you may be a little bit of selfish assholes, but you're oh, not selfish sure. assholes. You guys look at this and say, I'm going to, the, the other nine months a year, you're going to be an in, intentional in your relationship with your wife and your family, your kids, all that type of stuff. You're a better version of yourself. And they see that connection to elk hunting. And so it's not just, hey, peace out, I'm gone. And then you're a shithead the rest of the time when you're home. Yeah, which I think some guys do. Yeah, I don't think, I think just in a relationship in general, either side, you know, the lady or the guy or whatever, or however the relationship works, you shouldn't want to have to change the other person and you shouldn't have to change for them. Right. That ideally as Joel Osteen says, you have to love someone for who they are. There you not go. Who you want them to be. Exactly. <laughs> you shouldn't have to change somebody. Who said yeah. that? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have, but <laughs> who's the dude, uh, the blinker, Joel Osteen. Yeah, He's a uh, big, big mega church. Kind of blinking oh, all the time. Yeah. It's like this. It's frick, freaking it's fucking robot. Yeah, exactly. Send um, money, donate now. All right. <laughs> Pretty so, much, yeah. Aaron, yeah. I posted on uh, Instagram that I was here hanging out with you. Yeah. And I was like, we're basically our goal today was to kind of film Aaron the Snyder, the guy who's not always hunting. And so far I've been impressed, man. Like, I just watched you run a business meeting. Like, <laughs> like he actually does work, folks. But uh, I got a bunch of questions here. Do you want to answer any of them here? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, Brandon McDonald, Archery, he's got a YouTube channel. He says he'd like to hear about how you guys staff. Like, who does what? How many people? Uh, uh, it's Your pretty, team. Pretty easy. So Frank is the general manager. Uh, he's pretty much got everyone under him, obviously. Anders, uh, he's in charge of shipping, customer, QC, things like that. Uh, Anders, I believe, has 11 people under him. Mackenzie is in charge of production. She has six people 
under her. Dana handles pro staff, marketing, shows, stuff like that. Uh, David D. Austin, he he is our content creator, videographer, photographer. He does all the product shots. He goes with us on hunts and photographs and films them. Eric Bender's the big brain. Eric technically doesn't have anyone under him. Uh, he is in charge of all design, R&D. He does some, actually, he does some, he doesn't work on the building. He's also the point of contact for when building needs to get worked on. Uh, Bender's the guy that I'll hand an idea to, like the hip quiver. I'll give him the bullet points, and then he makes it shine and, and looks cool and, and makes it functional. So, like the hip quiver was my idea, but he came up with the belt to Velcro to the hip quiver, which is a huge selling point. So, a lot of credit on these designs goes to, to Bender. We just have a base concept. He builds it, and then Frank and I pick it apart. He rebuilds it. After that, I would say, uh, as far as key points, um, I got Mackenzie, Anders, David, you. And so Kaylee, I guess Kaylee was the one that came in here earlier. Uh, Kaylee's in charge of customer service. So, yeah, as far as staffing, I'm not sure what he meant by exactly that, but we don't necessarily look for you to have a ton of experience because we're unique in what we do. Like if you get hired for HR, yeah, you probably have HR experience. But uh, we really just want you to be a good person and a hard worker, and then we'll train you. Um, you know, that's the key things. You guys were doing today. You were interviewing people today. How'd the one go? You said he was scared shitless. He was a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're, we're what growing. What was the question? Well, he was asking about staffing, how we handle it. Oh, gotcha. Um, I I have to say, in the reality, I don't really run shit here. Frank does. I I would say, and you can chime in, but I mean, I'm really more in charge of the large direction, directional flow of the company, where we're moving, when we're moving, what products are coming out, maybe what marketing deal, who we're partnering with. I have more of a say so in that. But Frank runs everything. I I just you know handle the the shit that requires less adulting. I would say. Um, I know what's your view on that again. Yeah, I mean, I think what's helpful for my position is is having um, like Anders, Kaylee, Kenzie, like the people you were just talking about. We have a a really solid staff of of people who've worked here a long time that are like minded and and we are goal goal oriented and um, you know, you, Aaron gives us a kind of a direction of what where we want to go and then. Um, you know, the, the crew we have here gets on board and it, it makes it easy, honestly. I mean, we have a really dedicated uh, staff, so. No drama on the staff. No yeah. big I like, I mean, it's like a good rule. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a big family working here, yeah. really. I mean. Well, you guys saw Mackenzie was glaring at me because I didn't tell her you guys <laughs> were coming, which is a standard, you know what I mean? But she's, even though I'm technically her boss, she would totally tell me you're an asshole. You didn't tell me that these guys were coming. And I'm totally okay with that because I forgot and I'm not very good memory. And then I would say too, like when we, it's uh, not a uh, dictatorship, like I, everything gets thrown to the court, even where we're moving gets thrown out to everyone they get to pick. It's not anything I force down anyone's throat. And I'm the world's worst micromanager. I don't, um, I don't know when's the last time I technically told you to do anything. I don't, I don't know, know that I have actually. Um, I mean, Frank's as good or better at anything he's doing than I am. So why would I? fucking tell him what to do he's good at it that's why i hired him so it doesn't run like probably other businesses do um if there's a big decision coming up i don't make it we we make it um i might throw my two cents in obviously of what i think might be a good idea but there's a few things with anders i've brought up and anders is like no fucking way don't do that and we didn't do it um because if it was his department the one that's going to take the brunt of my decision and it doesn't make monetary or business sense and he's seeing something i'm not 
I'm not going to override it. He's the guy that should be making that decision, not not me. Um, I don't anything to add to that. I wanted to say, man, we we hopped into the middle of your business meeting, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe not everyone was brief that we were there, but it was totally family vibes. Everyone was happy to and open and honest and. I've like I've kind of been all over Kafaro today, just like all these little different departments, and everyone's been very helpful. Dave helped me set up lighting to shoot macro video. Like everyone's been very accommodating and helpful, and very um, open and and yeah, feels family-ish. Yeah. No, they didn't know you were coming. In fact, I I'm sure I'll get yelled at that for later because I thought I told everyone, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah, I I guess uh, as far as staffing from here on out as we're growing, um. I can't go into numbers too much, but as an example, in February, we were up 189% from any other, the largest other February we've ever had. Uh, We were up 189% and we've cut back marketing right now until we can get to the point where we want to be, which we're almost there as far as seven day ship times or less, things like that. So staff, I would say in the next three years, we'll probably have a hundred plus people working for us, I would guess. Um, We're we're growing at that rate, so it's good. well, it was pretty cool. We were talking about the potential of your guys' move and all that stuff and how many people are looking at transitioning with you, and it was darn near 100%. And I, I thought that was that was neat. I mean, that's a testimony to think, who you guys are and your culture. I think I told you two weren't thinking about it's three with Angie. Okay. Angie can't move. Um, I think it's three people that can't move. And it's all, they'd move if they could. Angie's husband's here and that he works at Coors. She just can't move. Um Alex, he went from not moving because he had a pretty house to where he's going to move now <laughs> yeah. part, part-time. So we have a very loyal family-like crew. And, and I, well, I, th- I think the, uh, one thing that helps is there's a lot of room for, uh, for growth with the company. Yeah. Um, a lot of us here started from entry level and made it all the way up yeah. to where we are. Frank, I mean, what? I started off yeah. in customer service making 14 bucks an hour, $14 <laughs> an hour trying to get by living in Denver. Look at you! You're uh, making like fifteen fifty now. Got, it's amazing. I got yeah. spinners on my truck now. No, uh, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, I, uh, I mean I definitely. Yeah, I mean a lot of people. Anders started in customer service. Kaylee, um, entry level. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people in in high ranking positions now that started from the bottom. And then also, I personally like to promote from within instead of you know bringing people straight off the street to to run a department. I, I like people that that show that they're dedicated and. Um, that well, that we've was, gotten to know. That was even with, I'm the same as Frank with you. Uh, my my business partner and his partners were, quite frankly, Frank interviews like shit. As bad as it could possibly be. Sorry, Frank. Uh, not a great <laughs> interviewer. So when Frank interviewed for his position, I already told him Frank was going to run the company. In his interview, they were like, are you fucking sure you want him? I'm like, I'm telling you, he doesn't interview well. The dude's a rock star. And, and obviously... Chad got to know him and totally was like, oh, yeah, I get it. But for me, um, if you – I'll use Frank – I gave Frank a truck as a thank you because he got screwed over for five years here of being way underpaid, which was out of my control. And I tried to make it up to him, and he's earned it. And so people have told me, like, I can't believe you you gave that truck to Frank. And I'm like, well, technically I probably owe Frank more money than that tr- – it is a badass truck, but I probably owe him more than that truck. Um like Anders wanted a bow. We got Anders a bow. We try to take care of people. So you don't have to make them work hard. They work hard because they know that they're going to be rewarded for the hard work they've given. And I, I think that shows when you actually come in here and, and hang out, I would I would say. Um, 
of course, I'm saying that as the boss. What, I don't know. Would you would you agree? <laughs> it's good or to have happy employees, basically. Did you say happy endings? Happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of why everyone's so happy. We didn't yeah. get that part of the tour. I'm not sure. Well, I'll wait we till the end. That? Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. Anyway, next question. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple, but I mean, they're a little like, so one on the whole pack stuff, uh, you guys, we covered that. We've got a really good video coming up that's going to be fun to drop on our YouTube channel. But uh, bino harnesses, Snyder, like, I'm kind of a bino harness snob. I just got a marsupial recently, like, Pretty dope system, but I've tried them all. But this guy was asking, when are we going to have a Kufaru bino harness? Depends, man. I don't know if we can go into you probably can't. great detail on that. We were we had a partnership um, with a, well, I'll just say marsupial gear. We we're going to work with them and have them uh, come out with a harness for us. I'm not, I got to talk to him. The first one he made, I didn't, I didn't overly like. And we've had a lot of pressure to build our own, um, which obviously is what we're very capable of doing. Um, so I don't have a date or an answer. I, I got to talk with the dude from where I'm not going to screw him over without talking to him. I want to make sure the problem is, is he can't keep up. And so he's going to serve his own master first himself, um, before he serves us. So we got to kind of figure that out. It, it looks like right now we're probably going to do our own thing. Um, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of good designs. Obviously we've used every harness on the market and we feel they can be improved on. So, yeah. What are you guys coming out with this summer? What are you excited about product wise new release stuff? Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff. We got some uh, everyday carry bags coming out. We got a couple of bigger um, backpacking packs. We have a couple shelter product uh, projects that we're working on as well. So don't want to give anything away too quickly, but we have some cool stuff coming. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'd say probably some of the other questions that weren't necessarily asked, but if they're listening in as far as like uh, uh where we're at, what's going on. Uh, the plan is to move to Wyoming in under a year. That um, was the question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we want to move. We're looking at moving to Riverton lander area is the plan. Um, the, the idea, probably the, the business will be in Riverton. We'll live in lander. You know, most people, uh, why Colorado sucks. I don't, you know, there's too many liberals. So yes, Colorado is great as far as the mountains. <laughs> How did you guys feel about Colorado? Oh my gosh. You guys have gone downhill in a short <laughs> amount of time. I, People have lost their minds. So I, I was at Starbucks, which was an experience in itself. And you know how people write, like, just married in, in shoe polish on their car? Dude, middle-aged, big old beard, looks manly as shit, gets in a rig with a topper on it that says, just vaccinated. And I'm like... <laughs> and then cameraman Tim down there, he was uh, hiking over by Boulder outside. That's your first mistake. And uh, people Boulder. were looking at, like, mean mugging him because he didn't have a mask on. People were hiking outside in nature and wearing masks and uh we've traveled a lot this year honestly in the last three months i've been on the road mostly to big cities from east coast all all east coast um i would just say that denver surprised me the traffic's worse than i've ever seen it and people are really really interested in wearing masks um that's just an observation but um no denver's beautiful gorgeous mountains i'm just wondering some of the people that moved here if they deserve this backdrop yes i said that so i mean it's beautiful here (laughs) Yeah, I, I just, on our end, uh, hunting opportunity is good up there. Less less people is another one. Um, affordable housing. You know, here, my wife's a real estate agent. Uh, it, it's impossible to afford a house, I would say. Uh, when I say a house, it's impossible to afford a decent house, I would say, and make under 120000 a year um, for a decent house. You're looking at a decent house here 
six hundred thousand dollars, five hundred plus to six hundred thousand dollars at a base uh, yeah. to get going. And Small too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you that from a guy who you know I I do make really good money, and we have a very large down payment. We can we've been saving to get a house. Uh, we bid on one the other day for seven twenty that was out of the what I wanted to pay. It sold for eight sixty. It was listed at six ninety. So that was on three acres and a three bedroom house. So it's it's expensive. We're up there. We'll all be able, better lifestyle, better living, um, less liberals. And, you know, we obviously not every employee here is in the red. You know, we're not all right. far right. There's some guys that work here that will probably a little left or center. Um, Wyoming is going to be one of the last Wyoming, and Oklahoma, uh, probably two of the last states that will be red is, is this crazy shit's going on in our world. So we want to get into one of those red states as fast as possible and help keep it fucking red where Texas Texas is slowly but surely Austin is expanding like a cancer. It's turning blue, um, which is crazy. And I don't want to get into the political side of things, but I don't want to be around like-minded people. Wyoming is a better fit for us. So, I think Joe Rogan was talking about that the other day on, I can't remember who he had on, but he was saying a lot of people are trying to escape California and all those like super liberal states, but they're bringing that culture with them to the other states as well, whether they know it or not. They're just kind of bringing those ideals. So I think that's kind of what happened here, especially once uh, the weed got legal. We got a lot of a lot of out of staters coming. Yeah, what's been your guys's like population boom since uh, since you turned into a stoner state? I'm not quite sure, but it's it's expanded a lot. I mean, <clears throat> just going hunting this last weekend for fucking turkeys, the traffic was unreal for and compared to anything I've ever seen. So. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, example um, where I shot my mountain goat. On a Saturday, that parking lot's at what, probably 11.5 or something? 11? There'll be 500 vehicles at that parking lot. Um, they'll be from the top, and I'll just, I shot my goat on top of Guanella Pass in that area. From on Mount Beerstadt, which you can see from where we scout, there probably won't be more than 10 yards between a person from the bottom, from the trailhead to the top of a 14er. That's just not fun to me. You know, mm, I like to be. I'm alone. out. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, there's many other things. Uh, taxes. There's no state, no income tax in, in Wyoming. Yeah, we got Texas. We got Wyoming, Washington. Florida. For a oh moment. yeah, my state. But they, yeah, they tax you other ways. Yeah, they're so, gonna get you. You know, multiple you know reasons. But you know, the biggest thing here, we looked at a building to rent here. Whether it was the size we need, it was forty eight thousand dollars a month for the rent. Um, that's just crazy. We could afford it, but. I don't want to, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's a lot of money. So you found that building, Frank. Yeah. Really nice building brand yeah. spanking new, but crazy expensive. Yeah. We were, we were so. talking to some guys at camp that are in business here and they were saying that the commercial per square foot has shot up through the roof because everything is grow operations now. Yeah. Well, and commercial wise, as far as high rises and just commercial buildings, you know, I used to work in the, I do high rise glass and aluminum or what I probably had there for a while once a month, a glass company would call me for me to come back. And I'm like, guys, you fucking crazy. I'm like, I have the job of my dreams. I'm like working construction again. I'm like, how busy is it? You can't employ people fast enough uh, with the construction boom, which is crazy because I went through the the depression of 08 and 09 here. It wasn't good. Um, obviously, it's doing well now. We'll see if that thing bursts again. But um, things are going good in Colorado now as far as growth. But if you don't like growth, well, skiing, Frank, you go snowboarding. Let's talk about the traffic on I-70. Oh, my God. that's It's insane. I mean, the if you go west on I-70 from here, you have all the resorts, uh, Keystone, Breckenridge, Vail, Beaver Creek. 
if there say there wasn't any traffic, you can probably get there in an hour, hour and a half. Um, if you don't leave early enough in the mornings, you're looking at like three, four hours. And then on the way back, same thing. It's fucking insane. So, um, I visited Riverton Lander three times, four times now. Uh, when I drove from Riverton to Lander, I think I passed seven cars, um, that, you know, here I'll have passed 700 by the time I get to work here. And you guys, I think you guys can follow me up to the house. Yeah. Um, you see, I drive 45 minutes one way to stay away from people. And I still had issues with my neighbor. They just moved from Chicago <laughs> and my dog ran into the yard. Dude called my wife a bitch or a cunt. And I had to call and be like, dude, you Google me. Like, you really want to fucking do this <laughs> with me? me? <laughs> like, I'm, you know, and I was talking to the guy, I said, man, look, I mean, it's a prime example. My neighbor down the road, Caesar, good neighbor from Oklahoma. You can tell he was raised in Oklahoma. When those dogs got out, I was gone, and, and they, they're big. They figured out how to get over the fence. So called my neighbor, the one that yelled at my wife, and I said, hey, before he yelled, and I said, hey, in three days, the, the kennels will be there. I'll be home. I apologize if the dogs get loose. I let him know. My dog got loose, but it went to Caesar's. He called me. He goes, walks around my house, goes in the front door, down, opens the garage, lets the dogs in like a good neighbor should do. Yeah. The other guy's screaming at my wife. My dog is going to eat his kids, and he's she's a bitch. She, and Jamie doesn't fuck around. She's She can be violent. So she's cussing back at him. And the final thing was handle this with my husband. And he's like, I will. And she was like, okay, good luck. Well, he calls me 15 minutes after, and I'm like, yeah, man, um, I already talked to her. And I, said, and I was calm when I talked to him. I said, look, uh, you got to understand where she's coming from. Your kids scream all day long in the yard, all day. I said, we never said anything. I said, I never even came down and talked to you about it. I said, I can fire my weapons in my yard any day I want, Jefferson County, and shoot them as long as the bullet doesn't leave the premises. I'm legal. So that means I can walk over to the edge of my property and start firing rounds into the ground, and there's nothing you can do about that. I don't do that because I'm a good neighbor. And I said, when your dog came onto my property, I walked him back over to yours like a good neighbor does. So my wife's looking at it that way. I said, above and beyond that, what you called my wife kind of goes to another level. And I said, and I'm going to be home soon. So we'll talk about that when I get there. Well, of course, he wasn't overly thrilled. I mean, he was worried at that point. And, and it's all settled now. But again, that's the difference between a city neighbor and a mountain neighbor or, or someone, you know, a good neighbor. And when I say a city neighbor, most people try to help each other in the mountains. He was used to the city lifestyle. It seems he like. just needs to adjust. That's all. He hasn't mm -hmm. had a chance to. Yeah, I feel that, man. Yeah. Oh, the old uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's a hard thing. And uh, having great neighbors can be a game changer. That's why I have awesome neighbors. I live, I live in Washington State, man. It's brutal. We, uh, we got a two-week elk season. <laughs> I got to pick which side of the I don't hunt my own state for anything. Um, we got wolves like you guys are about to find out, and there will be no chance to hunt them or manage them. And it's uh, Seattle decides everything. So I feel I feel you guys. Wyoming, cheers to that. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say you live in uh, Spokanistan, but you hunt in Idaho. Uh, I hunt everywhere but Washington. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I hunted Washington when I, I lived in Silverdale on the west side. Yeah. I hunted over on the... You know what? I'm not even going to list the areas, but on the coast there, yep. it's just, it's tough hunting. I mean, there's just no way around yeah. it. And, you know, in the, in the more, I think it'd be amazed at how many hunters are in Washington that don't hunt Washington because uh, it's just that bad. Uh, from what I understand, I left a while ago and haven't been back, but Washington's not a place where I'm like, oh, 
I think I'm going to put in for Washington this year. Yeah, no, no fucking way I'm going to put in for Washington. I think I'm going to take my wife on the 101 road at some point and drive her up the coast and around. You have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it has nothing to do with hunting. You know, just, When are you guys going to be able to cross that border again and do what you guys do? Hopefully soon, or we're going to be word? giving up some hunts. I don't Hopefully by, I mean, June, July would be great if they opened it because we got mule deer hunts and stuff we were going to do up there. So our, our season's kind of hinging on where the chips fall with this because we put in for a high country hunt. Um, and if that, uh, the border opens, we'll probably cancel that hunt and go hunt mule deer in Alberta in early September. I'm hoping to get us some tags, um, for a okay unit for elk when we get back. Uh, and then I've got a, I guess we got a caribou hunt in August, which, uh, that's Alaska. So that didn't really count. And then, um, we have an area to go spring bear hunting, but, yeah, you know, it opening before that season ends is highly doubtful. So. Mm-hmm. Hence, your turkey hunting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that, Which that is, is just it. like elk hunting. It oh is. Oh my god, <laughs> real elk of elk hunting. It's funny if, with if the, it was like elk. If turkey hunting was like elk hunting, I would never hunt elk ever. I was going to say I the hate turkeys. The the thing that when you're here's how I would put turkey hunting. You have turkeys like in some parts of. It sounds like Idaho, Oregon, even here. Oh, yeah. They're dumber than hell, and they live in a housing development, and they're super stupid. You know, I like to hunt birds that live their normal life but are still kind of dumb. Like, I don't want to hunt a Mississippi bird. They're Hail to the now. Uh, I want to hunt a bird that I'm going to kill one each day or at least get a shot or two in the morning and a shot or two in the evening. Um, and in some ways, um, it is like elk hunting in the sense they gobble and you go, but it's not elk hunting. It's kind of like elk hunting, but... Just like you could, I guess, shoot tame elk in my yard where I used to live. There was seven different herds there. There's turkeys like that. I guess the moral of the story is if I can go on a halfway decent turkey hunt, it's better than doing nothing, so I'll go. But the border being closed down really screwed shit up. Um, You know, it's just kind of changed things. So I'm going to go. I'm taking my wife turkey hunting, so I have something to do after I do this stuff with the military uh, next week. And then I might go on a backpack hunt. Um in uh, your neck of the woods. I think we're going to go into the the Frank Church and get dropped off. And, and oh, yeah. There, so. there you go. There's a legit wilderness. Yeah. Cut your teeth on kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never messed around in there. Uh, we're going to get dropped off, and I think we're going to hike four or five miles in. And I mean, I've shot a bunch of, of bears. I've been lucky in Idaho, super lucky. Yeah, you got um, a good streak in Idaho going, man. Yeah, the last one I killed in there was... You killed a seven-foot bear in our neck of the woods. I want to hear about that if that's interesting. Yeah, it was, it was it was actually seven foot eight nose to tail. Yeah, wow. giant, Good. mega Lord. giant. Blind shit house luck, fucking Avery. Yeah, I got bait set up. Whatever, not nah, no, wrong. No baits, right? I get up there, no no problem. I'm pretty. I'm I'm not at work, so I'm happy. I'm like, well, hey. Where should I go? He lists off forty-five areas. I'm like, well, dude, you've lived here your whole life. You <laughs> seem to, tell me where I might go shoot a bear. So he he tells me and he drops me off. And I had uh, 12 ELs on my chest. And he said, man, you're not going to need those. Can I take them tonight? Because he's got a rifle glassing. So for the first two and a half, three miles, it's reprod. I can't see from me to Frank. And I'm like, this is like him fucking with me, a ninth green at nine trick. Because, I mean, I, the only bear I would see would, that would attack me on right. the way in. You know, and it's the worst repod. It's 10 foot tall. Uh, mm. So it's, you know, I'm pushing through it. I don't know. It opened up a little bit after maybe three miles. And, and uh can't remember if it was three and a half or four and a half miles in. I hit a giant patch of skunk cabbage creek oh, falling down, yeah. and glassed it, and saw that bear. And I didn't see all of it. I grabbed my camera. I was taking photos of it. It came out of that skunk cabbage, and I was the camera hit the ground. I was like, "Oh my fucking god, that thing is giant!" <laughs> well, 
the creek was blowing, the wind was blowing downhill, creeks flowing in the same direction, and his ass is to me feeding along. I could have stabbed him. Game over. <laughs> um, I think I got to 30-something. I had a compound. I got to 30-something yards, and I shot it. And it would have been funny if you were filming it because I knew it was big when I shot it, but when it was laying there, the first thing I did is I spread it out and laid beside it to see how tall it was, and I was like, it's a seven-foot-plus bear. And I'm looking at its head, and I'm like, man, it's pushing 20, 20 inches for a – uh, your area doesn't happen for There's, a boar to get that mature. Listen, you all, you anti-bear hunting people, <laughs> for a bear to get that mature, he's already passed on his seed a bunch of times. He's already killed a bunch of little cute baby cubs so he could get another sow pregnant, and he's he's done his thing. He's thirty. How old was he? Did you get him? Uh, Twenty-four. Twenty-four years old. Yeah. That's a, so there was a that's ear, a good harvest. There was an ear tag in him from two thousand three, uh, oh, two thousand four, wow. uh, something like that, where they had an old bait site for the the DOW and they they tagged him. Oh wow! Um, you know, I didn't know any of this when I was up there in the sense of how rare it was. So the the great part of the story. So I I skun him out, quartered him, and I got him all in the pack. And Avery's supposed to meet me at dark at the road. Well, I get to the road a little after dark but not much and no no Avery I wait a few minutes and I'm like fuck it I load it up start walking down the highway walk all the way back to camp they're drunk as shit in camp <laughs> um and I'm like dude I get get this pack off my back and he's pulling that hide out and he just was like good god and I I said dude it literally looked like a grizzly it looked like a bread with a grizzly when I shot it he he sobered up real quick and was like that doesn't happen here and and but it was luck you know and it, and I wrote an article about it. it said you have to be out there yes the the baits weren't set up and everything else and and but you just have the willingness to try right mm -hmm. the, uh, there's a military book called the guts to try what's the worst that could have happened I got a little exercise in walking up a logging road it was a deactivated logging road perfect so walking up that road knowing bears they got to eat grass when they come out of the den to get their stomach flowing. There's generally grass on logging roads, and what's the worst that happened? I mean, another option is sitting in a camp, so it didn't hurt to go. And I had no strategy. It wasn't like I was in the high country looking for berries. I wasn't glassing. This wasn't anything like that. I wasn't spotting stalking technically. I was literally just trying to find a damn bear on the road. It just happened to end up being, from as I understand it, one of the largest bears ever shot in North Idaho. So, oh, yeah. yeah That's a really wild. cool story. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful country, and what an adventure. Yeah, I, I love spring bear hunting. I like turkey hunting, too, for those, like, don't get it twisted. I'll probably do a little turkey hunting, but... It's not. just a time filler is all what That's I it, look man. at. It. Yeah, it gives you something to do. Um, I mean, Frank, you've killed some turkeys. I mean, you're not totally against it. Turkey hunting sucks when you're in a bad turkey hunting spot. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a good turkey hunting spot, turkey hunting's a lot better. Yeah, I've killed quite a few with my bow, probably eight or ten of them, but I fucking don't necessarily like it anymore <laughs> it's, your, it is something to do if we had if we had spring bear here i'd much rather do that but it, he's right it's something to do it's fun to get out after a long winter you know i use it i use it to build relationships with landowners like most <laughs> landowners like yeah kill the turkeys you kill some turkeys for them and then you come back in the fall and be like well, what about a white tail what about a tree stand or something like that it's a good door opener fun yeah, to do man. with the kids um i'm gonna pull up a photo of that bear real quick um just because uh, it was funny how it all worked out again. Not uh, not something I had uh, really anticipated on happening. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But it's got a hump on it like a grizzly. That looks like a grizzly hump. Oh, I remember when you posted that. I was very jealous. And how close were you to the state and camp? 
Hey, people uh, know that. Don't say no, that. That's yeah. funny. You, I, you know where? I don't think he's by you. Uh, no, no, but yeah. he is. Yeah, I was going to say like 10 miles maybe or something. I don't know. Well, maybe. But anyways, yeah, bear hunting's open to anyone. I invite them to do it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I wish your state had spring bear. You guys, your bear densities are insane. I would say like that'd be something. They, uh, this, this year they started, they opened up a bunch of like OTC bear stuff for the fall because we were just, I mean, everybody I talked to that went hunting this year saw a bear yeah at least once which doesn't happen you know too too much but i would say like if if they did open frank and i would have some snowshoes on and be killing giants um there's a few places that i know of that um you know outfitters have, have sent me photos of them messing up their camps they're legit 450 500 pound bears one of them may be pushing 600 because they just they got no fear of anything and they live in the wilderness and get fat and you know they cause huge issues and you know obviously their offspring isn't going to have room in the wilderness so they push into cities and so I think if if you really could get the correct answer out of the people that made the decision years ago to have no spring bear no baiting and no dogs would look back and say they made a mistake if you could get the internal like they're never going to say that out loud if you could read their mind because there's a lot of bear issues now and we're paying the federal and state trappers to get we're killing them it's just hunters aren't doing it um and what you're not killing, you're not killing them in the wilderness. They're killing them in cities, so they're still going to come. Once the wilderness fills up, you can only fit so many bears in one area before they they got to move, and then they're in your trash can. So and yeah, that happens. Your carrying capacity is what it is, and mm-hmm. in fact, it's going down based on what I've seen. I came to Denver ten years ago uh, with Santino and uh, Willie Schmidt was living here, and we filmed Mendoza, and we did like a back in the train to hunt days. We did like a thing. I could get anywhere, anywhere in 10, 15 minutes. I can't even get to Kafaru, which it said it was like a 15-minute drive. Everything takes double, if not triple. Your traffic's terrible. How yeah. many people live here now? I don't know. It's got to be 5 million or something. It's got to be 3 million plus. And how many people moved here in the last year? That's the stat I want to know. Yeah, in the last year, too, it's quite a bit. And, I I mean, obviously, it's a free country. I, I get it. Um, you know, I, I've, I've made comments about our – we're pretty – liberal with our out-of-state tags over the counters and i made a comment and i got some hate mail from it. and i i said i wish they do over the counter with caps and limit out-of-state hunters because we live here you know we're the ones donating they money. will eventually um, yep well guys messaged me saying i was a crybaby bitch and i'm like i'm not crying i'm like and that's funny you're crying to me about me crying so i guess two wrongs make a right i'm like look <laughs> do you want to go hunting or do you want to go on a good hunt i'm all for a good hunt not bow hiking and limiting the tag allocation will make a better hunt especially again i think that this is idaho you know or colorado or whatever the residents should should get a a a leg on the out-of-state hunters i'm sorry but i mean if you taught if i couldn't go hunt your state i would understand like that the the residents there's one that they're dealing with it every day not out-of-state hunters now i understand out-of-state hunters are donating their tag money there's a lot more to it than that, obviously, but I just think it's better for the, it's not just about me. It's also better for obviously the population. So it could be an every other year deal too, you know, for everyone who comes from, I mean, Colorado's a hub. You got an awesome airport. You got amazing elk numbers more than any other state out West and, um, a lot of opportunity, but, uh, at this point in time, it's got, it's got out of hand. Like, uh, I think most people agree and, and, every other year wouldn't maybe be such a bad idea as far as an opportunity to hunt the state. That's still really good compared to other states. And quite honestly, you'll watch. Your 
this year alone, I don't know how many new applicants you had, but you crashed the system. Your Colorado Parks and Wildlife website broke down. There was yeah. too many people putting in, and they extended the draw. Do you know the numbers? No, I don't. Uh, although I talked to a game warden recently, it, it was astronomical. Um, and and we're we get to see. It's not just hunters; it's hikers. Um, For sure, it's rec. Yeah, recreation. So you're not just dealing with hunters while you're back there. I mean, when I was ha- I had three people doing yoga. 150 yards above one of the largest bucks I've seen in the wilderness. And didn't that girl fall and break her broke wrist? Her ankle. Yeah, oh. bro- broke her wrist. Yeah, she <laughs> fell off a rock doing yoga on a rock. And you, you guys had what? Making this up right now? <laughs> no. Is this real life? Yes. No, I did uh, Kung Fu Fighting, the song on my story, because she was out there doing yoga <laughs> on this platform. And what really was for, for me is the bucks, there was three bucks, that big three by four, the three by three, and another one. And I there was four of them before I killed one the year before that. I thought, okay, this is as killable of a position as I can get these in. They started rolling rocks off the pedestal just to see him roll and blew the deer out. I think I called you and said, man, he, he's in the trees now. He's not. He's in there. He ain't coming out for a couple of days. You had at one time, what, you have 17 backpackers come camp by you? Yeah, that was that was during scouting, but mm-hmm. right where these uh, these deer had been hanging out. Yeah, a big group of, uh, of a bunch of chicks, really. You, um, you were... F- flagging me into one and people were yelling when they made it to the top and, and <laughs> yeah. blew the deer out i was 200 yards from them rolling boulders yeah. and all kinds of shit yeah. yeah and so that's just hikers that's not hunters do you um, keep like a f- dummy tip in there for situations like that y- you know i try to hide when i'm back there so i don't there's not a lot of interaction for me with you know i don't one i don't want any conflict you know two obviously like a I don't want to leave much of a footprint right when I'm there that people are hunting. Cause next thing you know, that'll people will complain about it and there'll be PETA will be throwing up some kind of an anti hunting thing for, for Mueller. So I don't make it super well known, but um, I would say if you took the hikers out of the equation, that deer would have died last year in the first two days. He had no reason to leave where he was at. Um, and he was smarter than the rest of the hunters. So where he was bedded was perfect cause he wasn't affected by other hunters. What I did not anticipate is hikers. Hikers are what blew that deer out. So. Wow. I have a question on Colorado. So there's mountain goat stuff that's nuanced where you can, like they, the state needs you to harvest. They're over their capacity, so they rely on hunters. Thank God. That money's great, goes towards conservation, meat gets used, etc. But isn't there places here where, like, you can't hunt the mountain goat if you have the tag on the weekend or something? Uh, most of the, in the corridor, all the units in the corridor, you can't hunt them on the weekend. And in a... It's smart. I will say that um, I've been on 17, I think, counting in my head, 17 hunts where I've either obviously I kill one or helping people. Um, If you had a white fluffy goat coming down to water by a lake and there's 18 hikers and those goats are relatively tame when they haven't shot at, they don't give a shit about hikers or not. Uh, And the next thing you know, a guy comes down, makes a bad shot, goats running off and there's 17 so probably if there was 17, there was a lot of can't tents. There's a lot of doubles. So there's 35 people watching this. That's not a good outlook for hunting. So while it's weird, it's a good thing they don't. Hell, when I killed mine, there was a husband and wife that walked in two and a half, three miles in their wedding dress and tux to get photos in a basin below where I killed my goat on a weekday. Um, and, and that was... She, she was in a glowing white dress three and a half miles into the wilderness, and a photographer was there photographing that. No, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, so. It makes sense. And honestly, as a hunter, I want to respect these folks that recreate. Maybe they choose not to hunt, but, man, I'm all about it. Like, 
So well, it's a bit graphic when they die. They, yeah. You know, it's so steep, they just go tumbling. Yeah, mine went so. down a shale slope. <laughs> as like, I say that, I would prefer to just not have as many hikers back there, but um, I, that's why we're wanting to move to Wyoming. <laughs> It'd be cool if they charge like kind of like a non-resident backpacking fee or hiking fee. And like, I don't know, it'd just be cool if some of that like hiking created some revenue for the state wildlife that we all own yeah, together we, we talked about that multiple times we the only maybe downside what might be a give them a little bit more of a leg in to start trying to dictate hunting regulations because they they are now donating money to it so they might feel that they they get to vote um so it's i agree uh, they do get to well, vote yeah, and you so have didn't wolves. You guys just get wolves yeah, yeah. no kidding <laughs> yeah, I, think um, they, I think they're voting i think that um it could be a lot worse. Um, for sure, for sure. So when I say that, meaning like the wolf thing was totally under the covers, kind of nefarious shit, what, the way that got voted in. But you think about it, um, if they got to vote, um, and Frank and I are packing out two mule deer, uh, we're hiking down the trail, we pass 16 hikers, and out of those 16, 10 of them don't like hunting. Those 10, let's say two of them get into a verbal altercation with us. Let's say we do the right thing, we just walk away. But those people have an astronomical power that we don't really realize. And, and then they now have, well, Frank, you went and met, you went down to an art gallery festival with your girlfriend and you had people asking you to sign a petition to bring wolves to Colorado. And they had never been into the woods and, and they were down there getting to people yeah, to vote. Downtown they have a, like a street art thing. You can walk around downtown and they tag up and shit. Um, there were people there that were wanting people to sign the, the petition to allow wolves in and i was like well why why do you guys want wolves and they're like well the deer in colorado are overpopulated and we need the wolves to to take care of the overpopulation and then i was like that's i don't think that's true and then they just like you know they, they don't they're not there to argue with you they'll just move on to the next person and then have them sign because most people aren't asking questions they're just like oh wolves cool let's bring them in yeah so if you brought that into hunting regulations more than wolves it could be a lot worse so having them pay would be awesome so we're not footing the bill but if it meant they got to vote even more than they are now i mean well look at your state it's it's more in the red than we are you have wolves right and and you weren't able to control them for quite some time now it's 365 like a coyote isn't it well so idaho yeah for sure like they you it's very liberal uh when it comes to the seasons on wolves but that's just because they know that at the end of the day they they can't really manage that resource no matter what hunters cannot trap enough uh, in idaho wolves kill wolves more than hunters do yeah. than trappers just because there's so many yeah and then in where i live in washington there is still no hunting of wolves no management plans we pay a lot of money to have fishing game kill quote trouble packs that have conflicts with ranchers and such but it's nasty yeah it, yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense and and uh and again like you know the the wolf thing or or the the hiking thing on the weekends or whatever like i i have no doubt like when the wolves you know come um the management plan if there even is one that i could agree with the they're still like the like you guys um well wyoming let's say when they introduced the grizzly season it got shit canned um, immediately, immediately, uh, even though it, it is a scientifically proven, um, or, or biology, however you want to look at it, there's too many bears. 
but it still got shit can. And that's what I'm talking about with the vote. I would, I keep them as far away as those decision making of that type of stuff as possible. Either way, we're going to move out of this state. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Yep. Well, cool. We're hitting over an hour and 20 minutes, so we should probably hop off here. Um, you guys got anything you want to add? And thanks for letting us invade your space today. And I think this is going to be a fun little video because uh, we're going to capture Aaron actually not hunting and working. It's been cool so far and more to come. We're going to the house next. Yeah, we're going to go, play, go with hammer. The, play with the white dogs. I don't know how much hammering we're going to do. Um, the uh, the dogs will be funny. I don't know. You guys haven't. They're, they're about your size. They're big. We're um, dog people across yeah. the board here, so it's going to be good. Well, then Moose is there. He's four pounds. Uh, and uh, he's a teacup Yorkie, and Jesse's 95 years old. He's a Border Collie Australian Shepherd mix. <laughs> and then there's the two young dogs. So, yeah, the house is a trip where it's at. It's um, it's 10,000 feet is where I live, so there's still four feet of snow there. There's a lot of snow, but either way, we're yeah, be it'll be interesting. What's that? So we're going to be wheezing at 10,000 yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> either way, well, appreciate you guys hopping on and everything you do for us. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go drive up the – mountain and get the hell out of the city. So thanks for tuning in.